Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting podcast of the Go Forth program. I am your host, Ben O'Young, and today I have with us Father Maurice Henry Sands, who is the Executive Director for the Black Indian Mission Office. Hello, Father Sands. Hello, Ben. It's good to have you here. Could you please open us up in a word of prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Listen kindly to our prayers, O Lord, and as our faith in your Son, raised from the dead, is deepened, so may our hope of resurrection for your departed servants also find new strength through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much, Father. What nationality are you, Father, that you could please share with our listening sure. audience? Yes, I'm Native American, and uh, there are different ways that we can describe ourselves. We sometimes say Native American, sometimes we say American Indian, North American Indian, Aboriginal, Indigenous, First Nation. And so I belong to the group of people who were, were here uh, when the Europeans first arrived. We've been here for tens of thousands of years. I belong to a group of people who are called the Anishinaabe. This is from our own language. It means the people. And the Anishinaabe are actually composed of three different tribes who are known as the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi. And I actually belong to all three. Uh, we are today living in the Great Lakes area. We've been in the Great Lakes area for about a thousand years. And I grew up in a First Nation community, which is in Ontario. It's called Bacajwanong, which is composed of a group of islands that form the delta of the St. Clair River. So this name, Bacajwanong, means where the waters divide because, you know, we're on, on a group of islands that have different tributaries of the river that surround our island. So it's a very beautiful island. And I'm also a member of a tribal community in Michigan. It's called the Little Traverse Bands of Odawa Indians. So. I'm recognized as a native person both in the United States and Canada. That's not a real common thing, but I'm really grateful that, that I do have recognition as a native person in, in both countries. Were you born a Catholic? Were you a convert to the Catholic faith? What is your story? Sure. So my first ancestors who were introduced to the gospel were the ancestors of my mother's father's family. And I would have been in Northern Michigan in the beginning of the 1700s and uh, Jesuit missionaries who had previously been in Huronia, where the North American martyrs were serving and were, and were martyred. They were the brethren of those missionaries, and they moved to Michigan and made their way to the, the place where my mother's ancestors lived. So throughout my family history from that time, some of my ancestors have been Catholic, some have been not Catholic. In my father's family, they were Catholic through his mother's family, and then my father's mother married uh, his father, who was Anglican. So then they became Anglican. And then in my mother's family, uh, my mother was born and baptized Catholic. But then when she met my father and married him, you know, he was Anglican. So then they became Anglican. So I was baptized Anglican, but then came back into the church during my youth. So uh, it's a long Catholic history that's had some interruptions at, at different points. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, but Father. My, my, uh, and both sides of my family, uh, have, they've been Christian for at least 300 years, perhaps longer. 
And we're, we're, we're just happy you're Catholic. So that's a good yes. thing. <laughs> Please share. How did you hear the call to the priesthood? When I left home, I went to the University of Michigan and I got involved with the charismatic community there. Helped me to develop a habit of prayer and living as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So I've been able to do that for the entirety of my adult life. And I believe that that enabled me to hear the Lord when he began to call me. But he didn't begin to call me to the priesthood until I was 40 years old. And it was just something that, that I perceived through prayer, and there were other ways that it became evident to me that the Lord was calling me to the priesthood. So I entered the diocesan seminary back home in Detroit in 1999, and I was ordained in 2005. Yes, that sounds like a wonderful journey that you've had with the Lord to show you your path in terms of serving others. That's wonderful. Could you please share with us the missionary goal for the Black and Indian Mission Office? Yes. The Black and Indian Mission Office is actually composed of three different organizations. The oldest one was founded in 1874 to serve Native American Catholics, and we call it the Bureau. The second organization was founded in 1884 at the Third Plenary Council of Baltimore, and it established a national collection for African-American Catholic and Native American Catholics, we call that organization the Commission. And then there was a third organization created in 1907 to serve African-American Catholics, and we call that the, we use the acronym CNAMB. So we receive funds from a national collection, and then every year we receive applications asking for funds from parishes, missions, schools, and other organizations that serve the two groups of people. And then we make a recommendation to our board of directors who approve grants. So we've been doing this since uh, the collection was established in 1884. The work with Native Americans began before then. So uh, we provide funding, which comes with the collection, but we also provide support to the bishops and to the pastors and principals and presidents of schools and other people who are involved with various kinds of work with African-American Catholics and Native American Catholics all across the United States. So again, the office is primarily geared toward just assisting our African-American and our Indian brothers and sisters. Yes. What's the status of these missions and what are some of the greatest needs that they may have? So most African-Americans live in cities, and there are various parts of the country where there are concentrations of African-American Catholics. Some of them have very deep Catholic roots because they are areas of country uh, where African-Americans were slaves in Catholic households and then became Catholic. So uh, some of those people have been Catholics for many, many generations, and they tend to also have a higher population of Catholics in some other parts of the country. And then New Orleans is an interesting place because many black people went there during the time of slavery because it was a place where they could live freely. New Orleans was not a part of the United States until the 1800s. So there are a lot of African immigrants who are Catholic there. And then in the North, you have African-American Catholics who moved up to the big cities during the 1920s, principally something called Great Migration. They went there for job opportunities and also to to escape Jim Crow. So the ministry to African-American Catholics takes place mostly in an urban setting. 
and a lot of the parishes are located in areas that are distressed economically and, and in other ways. So uh, it's challenging to continue to keep the parishes going. So that's one aspect of, of life in parishes for African-American Catholics. But at the same time, they're very vibrant and they have a very uh, vibrant and long history. So it's important that uh, our office provides support to them so that they can continue to be strong communities of faith and continue to be uh, active in evangelization and providing a good Christian witness to the people that live around them. And then for Native American Catholics, uh, we have parishes and missions and schools on reservations, but also more Native Americans live in urban centers than live on reservations. So there's two different dimensions to the ministry. In urban situations, it's very similar to the kind of environment that African Americans live in. The neighborhoods tend to be challenged and the parishes tend to not have a lot of financial resources. So that's why it's important that uh, we're able to provide funds to these places through uh, the collection funds that we receive. And then on the reservations, many of the communities have been there for hundreds of years and continue to serve the people there. And also in those places, the finances are a challenge and also continuing to find priests and religious sisters and brothers who can serve in those communities because a lot of them have been served by religious brothers and sisters and priests and their numbers are declining as time goes on. So there are lots of challenges, but also at the same time, you know, a lot of really vibrant life going on in these communities. A lot of them have a long history and they are able to provide a great witness to others. And also Catholic parishes and schools tend to be anchors in the communities where they're located. So they go beyond just offering a Christian witness, just beyond offering a place of worship and a place for education, but also helping to meet the needs that people have in, in lots of other ways as well. And those needs you shared are also both financially as well as spiritually. We want to mm -hmm. continue to have these churches grow and to minister to the community, but yes. also address how they can help out mostly socioeconomically. Yes. And also uh, just in terms of uh, the parishes and schools are anchors of community life. And do you consider one more in need of the other, or they pretty much just have different needs, but and with different cultures. For the African American Catholic, for example, they are a larger number, and they have a lot more resources when it comes to the people that are serving as priests and religious brothers and sisters, and even as bishops, and. They also have more that are national Catholic organizations that help to provide leadership and support to African-American Catholics. Native American Catholics are smaller in number. Uh, we don't have anywhere near the number of priests, our religious brothers and sisters, and we only have one national organization. So I would say that's the main difference. There's greater infrastructure that's available for leading and supporting African-American Catholics than there, than there is for Native American Catholics. So with that said, uh, Father, and from a personal objective, some of the Chinese Catholics that I know of have volunteered at Indian reservations. Mm -hmm. In what ways can we support the African-American and Indian missions out there? It would be really 
helpful for people to be praying for uh, these communities, praying for the work that the Lord is doing. And then one of the areas where we really make a difference as Catholics is in providing education to young African-American Catholics and young Native American Catholics. So if people wanted to make financial contributions or people wanted to send any kind of material goods or if they wanted to volunteer to serve or even to work in an employed capacity, then I would recommend that they look for opportunities to do those things in Catholic schools that serve the two groups of people. If a young person has the opportunity to go to Catholic school, I'm speaking about African-American young people, Native American young people, then they're able to be formed into faith and become Catholic if they're not already Catholic. They're taught good morals, they're taught discipline. The graduation rates for Catholic elementary and high schools is much, much higher than it is for the public schools that would be in the same community. And these young people go on to post-secondary education. They go on to have good marriages, to be good parents, to raise good families, and to be uh, contributors to their communities where they live. So a Catholic education is a real game changer, a very positive game changer for, for these young people. So if people want to support African-American Catholics and Native American Catholics, then I would say that, you know, there really isn't anything better that they could do than to support the Catholic schools in those communities. Father, that's great insights and the, the beauty of education, especially with a Catholic focus, can be such a game changer for so many of our students. But at the same time too, Father, what about short-term missionary work? Is there anything available to support our African-American and Indian brothers and sisters that is short-term missionary work? Yes. So for priests and religious brothers and sisters, there would be opportunities to serve for both Native American Catholics and African American Catholics. Historically, they've been served by priests and brothers and sisters from religious communities, and the numbers of priests and brothers and sisters is declining over time. And so these congregations need to make decisions to no longer serve in different communities every year, places where they make a decision that they can no longer serve because they don't have the personnel to continue to serve there. So I would say, first of all, for priests and brothers and sisters, that there would be many opportunities to serve in communities of, of both groups of people. And also for lay people, there would be educational opportunities as teachers or as ministers in parishes and missions. There would be volunteer opportunities and also just opportunities to make contributions financially to all of the different organizations that serve the two groups of people. So, Father, your website, which I was able to review, mm -hmm. uh, might have opportunities where we can have our lay people refer to to see if they have ways that they can volunteer as well as, like, for example, do short-term mission trips. Yes. And there are lots of parishes and schools that do mission trips to communities going to Reservations is one popular activity for schools, for example, during their spring breaks and at other times of the year. And there are other parishes as well who will send groups of people on a mission trip to a reservation community. And they also will adopt a parish or a school and, and raise funds throughout the year. So those are all activities that are also very needed and that, that can make a real big difference for these different communities across the country. 
And Father, I will refer our listeners at the end of our show to the show notes, which will have information on how they can tap those resources and see how they could support both financially as well as volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me, Father, of our Sunday readings, which is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, and in particular, the parable of the talents. And I was wondering if you could please share, Father, how the Sunday readings magnify your call to mission. Yes, I see that when the Lord calls all of us to life with him, that he wants us to always keep in mind the greatest commandment that our Lord Jesus gave to us, which is to love the Lord of God with our whole heart, our whole strength, our whole soul, our whole being, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God has given us the gift of our lives and given us abilities and talents and resources that he wants us to use for the sake of, of his kingdom to be generous in giving back to him in gratitude for what he's given to us, but also to be generous in contributing to the work that he's about in the world and especially to, to be mindful of, of our brothers and sisters who are in need. So we need to recognize what we've been given by the Lord and and some of us are given a more gift in different areas than in others. And the Sunday reading about the talents is one in which we're made aware of this reality and that the Lord wants us to use well what he gives to us so that if we're given more, then he expects that we're going to be able to to give more back or that we're able to use those gifts in order to create more gift. And so it's a very realistic dynamic of, of our lives as Christians and as human beings that the Lord has made us to be generous in offering ourselves to him and offering ourselves to our brothers and sisters and that he wants us to use well what he's given to us. So that's the basic message of, of the gospel reading. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, Father, we not want to ignore the call mm-hmm. of, especially for our, our African-American and Indian brothers and sisters. Uh, we have talents and we can use them, support them, not only financially, but also their need spiritually to grow in the Lord. Yes, people all around us who are in need, and the Lord does want our eyes to be open to, to be able to see those are, who are in need, whether they're Potem Paul II and his successors have talked about going out to the peripheries and in our own communities, in our own country, in our own society, in our own national Catholic Church. You know, there are brothers and sisters in need, there are brothers and sisters who live on the peripheries. So the Lord wants us to to be mindful of that, to be able to to see them and to look for ways that we can offer what he's given to us to to help them in their need. And in the readings too, Father, after he talks to the the individuals who doubled their talents, he says, come and share in your master's joy. Yes. And that must be so apparent in those who assist our brothers and sisters, that they, they experience that joy also. Yes. An example of this would be St. Catherine Drexel, Mother Catherine Drexel, who lived from the middle of the 1800s to the middle of the 1900s. She was a part of a very wealthy family, and you know, she recognized that African-Americans and Americans had a lot of need, that, that they were on the peripheries, and she wanted to do something about it. So she, being the founders of a a religious congregation, the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, who served the two groups of people. And she also received a large fortune from her father, which during her lifetime she spent to establish missions and parishes and schools and even a university to serve the two groups of people all around the country. So she took to heart the call 
that the Lord gave to her, and she gave everything that the Lord gave to her to serve him and to serve his people and to serve the brothers and sisters who were in need that, that she saw could could be really helped with what the Lord had given to her. So she's a great role model for all of us. Well, thank you for sharing, Father. Before I let you go, is there any advice you have for our listening audience about entering the mission field, in particular in supporting our African-American Indian brothers and sisters? To encourage everyone to learn about these two groups of people, African-Americans and Native Americans, because my observation is that when I inquire among people who do not belong to these two groups of people, they they tend to not know a whole lot about them. They, they have some superficial information, but there's a lot that they do not know. And, and particularly when we talk about the history of African-American Catholics and Native American Catholics and the Catholic Church and, and our involvement from the very beginning, the Catholic Church in the United States, there's really not that much that's known about the two groups of people in, in our presence, our involvement, our participation, the contributions that we made, the unique gifts that, that we had to offer, uh, being people from distinct culture and traditions and coming with our gifts of music and, and art and other expressions that flow out of our culture. So I would encourage people just to learn more about us. Uh, you can do that uh, through reading books. You can do it through doing research online. And uh, there are not a lot of visual, audio, movie, television kind of resources, but th there are uh, books and other resources available on the internet that, that can help people to learn more about us. Uh, and I think that when people learn about it, they're really amazed at how rich the history is and what they don't know about us. And it's enriching for for people when they do learn about us because we are part of this country, we're part of this society, we're part of the history of the church and the country and, and a part of everything that, that the Lord has been doing on this continent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so break out of your cultural shell, break out of our cultural barriers, mm -hmm. look to see how you can expand to these different cultures, to the Native Americans, to the African American culture, and just spend time with them and also see and hear how you could spread the gospel to them. Yes. You talked about how so often you have seen that people may have misunderstood and not fully taken the time to understand our African-American and Native American brothers and sisters. But at the same time, too, after they do that, they have certain insights and understanding that has helped them grow in their faith. Yes. And if we look at people wanting to make an effort to engage with African-Americans or Native Americans, then it's important to keep in mind that both groups of people have experienced a lot of injustice and that there are wounds that have resulted from you know, racism, prejudice, discrimination. And so the ability and willingness to trust at the outset of, of trying to establish a relationship with us is not easy because it takes us a while to get to know someone before we're willing to trust them because of the history that we've experienced has been so difficult and even uh, the difficulties that we experience in the present day. So I think it's helpful for, for people to just to know that and to be persevering in, in the efforts to, to reach out. In the beginning, it may seem that 
people are not too open, but it's just a matter of establishing trust, which really doesn't take all that much time. But it is definitely a dynamic that exists and it's a reality that exists that it's good for people to be aware of as they make efforts to learn about us and as they make efforts to to engage with us and get to know us. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you. That's great advice. What you're asking us to do is show God's love, but be persistent about it. Mm-hmm. Break through the ice. Break through the ice of yeah. people who are hurt and yes. break through that cocoon of being afraid to be hurt by building that trust. And by building that trust, then it's easier to also share the good news of the gospel. Yes, exactly. That's right. Father, is there, before again, before I let you go, mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to share to our listening audience uh, that you would like our, our listeners to know, especially in regards to our African-American and Native American brothers and sisters? I think that it's good for all of us to always keep in mind that you know, we are all God's children made in his image and likeness, so we all have the same dignity and worth, and that all of the things that can cause us to distinguish ourselves from one another, that can cause us to separate ourselves from one another, are really superficial things that, that the Lord does not intend for us to use in the way that we use them. Uh, we have to remember who we are as the beloved sons and daughters of God who are created in his image and likeness, that we are all one, that we are all called to one faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are all called to be one as members of the Catholic Church, which is the body of Christ, and that we need to continually make the efforts to overcome our human sinfulness, our human shortcomings, in order to to strive to to be one in loving the Lord. And Again, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we got to remember that for all of the cultures that we meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Father, thank you so much for your time. Could you please close us in a blessing? Sure. Pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the life that we share with you. We thank you for the gift of faith and the invitation to, to know and love you, to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to share in your very own life to be on a journey that's leading us to everlasting life with you and during this free time we have on earth to have the opportunity to love you to love our brothers and sisters and to offer a good witness to others to help you in your work of salvation and we pray that you would be with us always each day of our lives guiding us and strengthening us and protecting us and and showing us your will for our lives and making it clear how you want us to make a gift of ourselves to you, make a gift of ourselves to our brothers and sisters, and to always live with hope and the promise of everlasting life and more than anything else, and to know that you're with us always and, and to not be afraid at any time, but to place our cares and concerns in your hands and to know that you are with us always until uh, we come to the end of our days on earth and that we will look forward to being welcomed by you to be with you forever. And we offer this prayer to you with gratitude and love, and we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. Again, this has been Father Sands, who was Executive Director of the Black and Indian Mission Office. Thank you again, Father, so much for sharing. You're welcome. And God bless you. God bless, and let us all go forth and spread the good news. Amen. Go Forth is a service of USCMA, funded in part by the Catholic Communications Campaign. Available on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, and your favorite listening platform. We'd love to earn five stars from you, so be sure to scroll down and leave a review. Visit uscatholicmission.org forward slash go forth for scripture commentaries, show notes, and go forth gathering details. Check out the show notes for pictures and links about our witnesses' mission. Our music is Go Out, Go Out by Curtis Stephan, used by license with OCP. Wherever you live and whatever you do, God has a mission just for you. Come back next week to meet another missionary disciple sharing God's love through their life and witness. Amen. Praise the Lord, all your nations. Steadfast is his kindness toward us.